podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At the 1992 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, Imran Khan's Pakistan side took three points from their first five matches and looked to be heading for a group stage exit. They went on to win five matches on the spin, defeating England in the final at the MCG. Safraz Ahmed's Pakistan started this World Cup with an identical record, one win, one no result and three defeats from their first five games. And today's 49-run victory over South Africa at Lords has given them a glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, history could repeat itself. Win their final three group games and Pakistan will be right in contention for a top four finish. As for South Africa, the horror show continues. After one win from seven, they are mathematically out of the tournament, with only pride left to play for. Pedestrian with the bat, lacking penetration with the ball and uncharacteristically sloppy in the field, this has been a World Cup to forget for the Proteas. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon, and I'm joined by our long-suffering South African correspondent, Daniel Gallen. Dan, five times we've come to you now, five times South Africa have lost. I guess I should start by thanking you for still picking up the phone to me. You know what, Joe, I'm maybe starting to to see a little bit of a pattern here. Maybe me (laughs) talking to you has somehow cursed these proteas and and, and played some role in their defeat. So this might be the last time we chat ever. (laughs) It's starting to feel a bit that way. I actually, I messaged you, didn't I, when South Africa were about 90 for one, when they were pretty well set. And I said, I I think we're on for another close one here after two crackers yesterday. And then from there, it all just fell apart, didn't it? So again, I blame you. (laughs) But they were yeah, they, they were looking they were looking in pretty good shape at that stage. What, what went wrong for them there? You know what? It's interesting. Just before that drinks break, um, Quentin de Kock and Faf Duplessis, as you say, were looking good. They weren't exactly peppering the boundary, but they no. they seemed to be in control. And there was just a moment, the, the over before the drinks break, where Quentin de Kock hit a skyer out into car corner and didn't run. He kind of just stood admiring his miscued shot, and Faf Duplessis ran and started and kind of had to shouted Quinton to snap him out of this trance that he was in and they scampered through for an easy single in the end but when, when the teams then headed off into the you know the vacant area where the drinks were being assembled the two batsmen were, were having a real go at each other they were really? exchanging they were exchanging heated words and it wasn't necessarily picked up by by many of us in the in the press box but from from there there just seemed to be something that that got under Faf Duplessis' skin and, and for whatever reason, Quinton didn't respond to his captain's advice. And, and that just seemed to change the tone. And, and I don't know what it is, but something clicked after that and they came out after the drinks break and yeah, it all just fell apart. It became a bit of a shambles in the end. That's an interesting example, Pacat. One from South Africa in the field that I noticed as well. Imran Tahir was absolutely adamant that he had an LBW and he, and he reviewed it himself. Um, without Duplessis even even doing the signal, uh, as it turned out, to hear was wrong. It was actually going over the top, which I thought looked kind of like like what was going to happen at this, as he appealed. Is there is there signs that Duplessis' leadership is starting to kind of unravel a bit here? Oh, that, no, I think that that would be a harsh a harsh um, summation of what's going on with this team. Okay, I think I think any team that's losing will always look like it's 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 falling apart. But the one thing that I, I have said about the side is that despite the results. They still look together. 
you know, despite the AB Davidia scandal, despite results not going the way on the field, I watched them the way that they train and I watched them the way that they interact with each other on the field. And yes, obviously a couple of niggles here and there, that's always going to happen. But they still look like a team that is pulling in the right direction. Um, which, you know, there's not really clicks that are developing, at least none that are that are obvious from mm-hmm. the outside. So I don't think that it's Fab Duplessis' captaincy that's falling apart. I just think that for whatever reason, and, and once again, we might only understand this in the post-mortem after the World Cup, but for whatever reason, no one is in form except for Tahir and, and maybe Rassi van der Dissen. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Fab Duplessis, he, he, and he handles himself well. He, I think he's handled himself well in difficult circumstances in, in this tournament. He, he's fronted up and he's been quite honest, I think. But that said, he has still overseen what, what is becoming a miserable campaign, what is a miserable campaign. Um, one day cricket often tends to operate in World Cup cycles. World Cups come and go and captains and coaches move on, players decide to retire. Given how badly South Africa performed, do you think Duplessis might step away voluntarily, possibly? Maybe. Um, he might stick around just because there's no obvious successor. I mean, I guess yeah. Aidan Markram uh, would be the guy who they'd want to hand the leadership to, but the way he handled the captaincy against India in a recent series and Obviously, his form of the bat doesn't guarantee his selection. No. We asked, I, I actually asked Faf in the press, I said, what does this mean for your legacy? Because in the lead-up to the tournament, people were told, you know, myself included, were saying that perhaps Faf Duplessis deserves to be considered a, a, the, the equal of Graham Smith just in pure, ju- just purely because of his leadership potential and the way that he, that he captains a side that is obviously not as good as the one that Smith had. Yeah. So... And, and he said it's, he's, he, he didn't shy away from it. He said that this absolutely affects his legacy. And then he said that this is the that, that results in the field are embarrassing and, and that it dramatically impacts how, how he will be remembered. So it's an interesting one. I, I don't know what will happen to Fav Duplessis. I would like to see him stay at least for another year. But what I would like to see happen is that an obvious success is named almost before they even touch down back in Johannesburg. If they say, right, this is the guy who we're going to stick with and who we want to be captaining the side in four years' time, I would be comfortable with that person being a a, a real vice-captain, not just someone who who tosses the coin in the absence of the captain, but someone who's standing next to Fav Duplessis in in press conferences, someone who's who's standing next to Fav Duplessis in training and learning as much from him. And if if that man is Aidan Markram or if it's Russell, Van Dissen, who Faf has, has already, uh, you know, championed his leadership uh, credentials in in uh, with the press. Mm. Whoever that is, I would like to see an obvious successor, and I would like them to back that to back that successor. I mean, whether South African cricket has has the foresight to do something like that remains to be seen. But that is what I'd like to see happen. And what about us, Gibson as well? I mean. The report's been the lead-up to this World Cup that he's quite keen on the England coaching job. I mean, he's very, very well-respected in the English setup after his time as bowling coach. The players love him. But if he indeed, indeed did want that job, this World Cup won't have helped his chances. And is his, is his job with South Africa now under threat? Oh, well, I mean, it's more than under threat. There's, there's, almost, no, there's almost no chance that they'll renew his contract. I think under, right. under his leadership, they've, they've put all their eggs in one basket. And when the, when, the, when the fast bowlers were fit and firing, it looked like a great plan. But, they, you know, plan B is such a... It, it, I don't even know what that looks like anymore. You know, I, c- I couldn't even tell you what other ways this team wins matches apart from fast bowlers firing up front. And even, you know, Kakhisa Rabada hasn't, hasn't lit the tournament alive. So you can't even blame it entirely on the injuries to... Dale Stan and Arunik Nortia and even Lungi and Gidi who was injured against Bangladesh. So no, I think I think Otis Gibson is definitely out of the South African job and he's probably worked himself out of the England job. Yeah. Uh, and having talked about cycles there as well, when South Africa performed like this in a major tournament, do you have any concerns that players might think, I've done my time and do what Carl Abbott, Duan Olivier, 
Morning Morkel have done and sign coal pack deals, particularly with Brexit potentially putting time pressure on this and possibly tightening that coal pack loophole? Yeah, well, certainly some of the senior players, like, I, I mean, you would probably know better than me. I mean, I'm sure there'd be counties that would love to have JP Dumini, Hashim Amla, David Miller, uh, who else? They even Saf Duplessis. You know, these these are players who could, I mean, I mean, as I say, you'd probably know the county system better than I do, I mean, you certainly do. Oh, but they'd but all, they'd all not... command places, yeah. I mean, the, the, well, the, the, the so, jobs are there if they want them, that's the thing, yeah. There you go. So so if, if, they, if they wanted them and, and the option was available, I don't think too many would begrudge them going even because you know all these names that I've mentioned apart from Fafu has put in the odd performance none of those other senior players have stood up I mean Miller was Miller, Miller is, is a continued source of frustration JP Dumini hasn't got a game for a while Hashim Amla love, love him to bits you know great man great, even better batsman but he has just been a, a shadow of his former self as, as I've said last time we spoke so no um, I, I wouldn't begrudge them going and yeah as you say with Brexit looming they probably will go well uh, sounds like South Africa's side might look quite different in, in, uh, in the months and years ahead but this was Pakistan's day um, they put themselves right back in the mix for a semi-final spot now so looking at some permutations which is always a, a dangerous game obviously particularly when we've seen some, some of the results we have over the last couple of days but Pakistan are now on five points from six games uh, three points behind England if they can win their last three games which is New Zealand Bangladesh and Afghanistan that would put them on 11 points and realistically leave England needing two wins from their last three games which remember is Australia, India and New Zealand all difficult games to hold on to fourth spot um, that's no easy task for England. Does, does all that, as I was saying, there's a lot of ifs and buts in there, but does all that sound feasible to you? Can, can Pakistan pull this off? I mean, Pakistan could, have, of course, pull it off. They could. Yeah. I mean, it's Pakistan, you know, the old, the old trope of you never know which Pakistan is going to turn up is, you know, rings true for a reason. They could absolutely go and smash everybody and win the World Cup and repeat in 92 and the Corner Tigers and the, well, that old, you know, that, that old narrative. Absolutely. I mean, they they weren't amazing today. I, I think. I think. Let's be fair. I think it really points to how poor South Africa were. They they were offered half volleys with the new ball routinely. Kahisa Rabada and, and Lungiangidi were just just poor with the new ball. So the opening batsman could just lean forward and drive them down the ground and through the covers. And then Harris Sahail swung his bats and he middled a lot. And and uh, Wahab Riaz came and cleaned up at the end. But I don't think they were they weren't brilliant. But they but they were good enough to beat. Who, who did you to beat New Zealand? Is their next game right? So I think to beat New yeah. Zealand, they're going to they're have to play better than they did today but and hold their know, catches and hold their catches yeah you know I, I, mickey arthur in the press conference so he's obviously beaming and smiling and really chuffed with himself and his team and the pakistan press are, i mean they're a ruthless bunch man they the first question was why do pakistan continue to drop catches and i kind of just like laughed and looked looked at this pakistani journalist and was like mate you know but maybe start him off with a positive thing and, and and mickey said it himself he's like guys can you can you let me off the hook just for once i don't know why they're dropping the catches i saw that um, i was going to bring that up actually i just saw on twitter that a pakistani journalist i'm not sure of his name asked mickey Arthur why Harris Sahel was looking a bit tired towards the end of the innings and Mickey Arthur understandably kind of went off on one and, and told him why, why can't you be positive once in a while I thought that did seem an extraordinary extraordinary question but Harris Sahel really he took Pakistan from what was looking like quite a mediocre score to what in the end was a pretty good one and one that was too good for that South African batting lineup. I mean, it, it isn't a great seeing a batsman just kind of go healthily and think, you know what, if, if, I, if I nick one off all the way down to third man or I spoon one to deep extra cover, what the hell, I'm still going to swing my arms at it. And he connected him and he, and he took the fight to South Africans. He, he was, he, to give him his credit, he was respectful to the good balls. He, he didn't, he didn't swing his bat at absolutely everything. He knew when to bunch one down the ground when it landed on a on a tricky length. But yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen much of him. I, I mean, I've been living in England when South Africa were so uh, when rather when Pakistan. 
Dunn were touring uh, South Africa earlier this year, so I haven't seen him in the flesh yet. But you know, he's a he's a he's a beefy lad. I think that's a that's a fair thing to say. Sure. But as as a few of the Pakistani players are, but no, good timing, quick hands as 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 uh, most Pakistani batsmen have, and yeah, good on him. He changed the game with his knock. If Pakistan are to go further in this competition, as ever with Pakistan, it feels like it will be the bowlers that, that do it for them. And this is a very different bowling attack to the one that was getting carted for 350 plus in every ODI pretty much against England a few weeks before the tournament. Wahab Riaz is is reborn, 3 for 46 today, bowling rapid. And of course, Mo Amir is another two wickets, now 15 in the tournament. That's the joint leading wicket taker, um, along with Stark and Archer. Um, and is bowling as well as he's done for, for years, really. Suddenly, Pakistan looked very potent with the ball in a way that we perhaps didn't expect they would do at the start of this tournament. That's right. And isn't, isn't Mohammed Amir's story just one of the feel-good narratives of Absolutely. this World Cup? Yeah. yeah, looks fit. Beautiful action. I mean, one of, one of the joys of, of cricket is, is obviously watching a fast bowler, you know, get his body moving as if like that's what God intended it to do. And no, he looked really good. I, I'm, I'm like really chuffed for him. I mean, what a, the, the depths that he's, that he's had to bring himself from to, to come here and lead the attack for Pakistan is just, uh, you know, credit to him and, and, and credit to Mickey Arthur who, who speaks, who spoke about him in the press as if, you know, like a glowing father figure, you know, like a really proud, really proud father figure. It was just like really, really pleased for him. And yeah, as you say, Wahab Riaz gave a lesson on how to bowl at the death, which the South Africans have, have not yet clocked onto. He is searing Yorkers, swinging, reverse swinging at pace. Man, he looked devastating. And if they can if they can get it right, if that bowling unit can get it right, they, they will be a handful for New Zealand. Another part of that bowling unit today, Shadab Khan, 3 for 50. Um, I've found it inexplicable that he's been in and out of the team, really. For me, he should be one of their absolute first names on the team sheet. And every time he plays, he seems he seems pretty impressive. That, and Pakistan have always combined that pace and that spin. And, and now we're starting to see that with this bowling attack with, with Shadab getting through his 10 overs, picking up wickets, not going for too many. That's right. And he, he the way he works over Aidan Markram, who admittedly is, is not the best player of spin, but he is still a world a world-class player, or at least has the potential to be one. And he just it just looked like a, a man against a boy. He, he he offered one full and wide to try and entice him to drive. And he could, he, it was almost two balls. He knew that, that Aiden wasn't going to get on the front foot and look to dominate. So he kept darting it in, kept darting in, kept darting it in. And then just a little loopy flat one that... that Probably would have enticed the driver because he kept pushing Aiden back. Aiden went back to try and cut it and was just, he, he just looked like a like an amateur cricketer playing an international cricketer. Uh, yeah, a really, really good bowler. Clever with his, clever with his, his pace, which is obviously always a, a potent weapon for a spinner who knows how to use it, but it's really difficult and takes a lot of confidence to, to vary the pace up in, in one day cricket when the guys are looking to hit at you. So, yeah, as you say, this bowling unit really ticks all the boxes, doesn't it? Yeah, and it'll be fascinating to see how they get on against unbeaten New Zealand on Wednesday. That could be one of the games of the tournament so far, I think. That's one, that one's at Edgebaston. For South Africa, they, they, they continue. They have to continue. They've got two more games to play. Um, they're playing Sri Lanka at Durham on Friday. Friday, which is a game that England fans will be watching very closely, uh, obviously hoping that South Africa can pull something out of the bag because, well, from an English perspective, they won't want Sri Lanka winning or Pakistan winning because that really puts the pressure on them towards that, that back end of the, the group stage. Well, I wouldn't hold your breath as, as English fans. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is really... I, I, I mean, I, I do you, genu- do you genuinely expect South Africa to lose to Sri Lanka now on Friday? Is that No, 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 no I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm being facetious. I, no. I, think, I think that South Africa will beat... Uh, will beat Sri Lanka. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if, if South Africa go and wallop Australia now that now that it's done and dusted and, and there's officially no more World Cup on the line. I, it's, it, I mean, just to kind of go on about South Africa again, it's frustrating because these are good players and, and I've seen Faf Dupasi and I've seen Quinton de Kock and I've seen Aidan Markham putting, putting performances with the bats that... 
you know, set games alight and, and, and have kids staying up at night dreaming of one day playing for the Proteas. And I've seen Kajiso Robata steam in and look like the greatest fast bowler on the planet. It's just, it's just so frustrating having all these big players not fire at the same time. I mean, when, you, when you're banking on Andile Pesloquire, who I think is a very underrated cricketer, and I, and I hope that this World Cup has, has maybe put him on, on people's radars, and I would love to see him get an IPL contract. I think he is good enough to, to, to play at that level. But when you're relying on your number seven batsman, who's also your fifth bowler, to, to be your stand-up player, and you're relying on a guy like Rassi van Adissen, who who'd come into this tournament with only 10 matches or 11 matches under his belt, you've got to look at the senior players, and, and it's just not acceptable for them to say, well, we just don't know why we're clicking. Because having spoken to da- uh, David Miller in the presser, having spoken to Kisa Rabada in the presser, having spoken to Fafdu Pasi in the presser today, they all kind of, it's just a lot of shrugging of shoulders and being like, look, if we had an answer, we'd let you know. So yeah. fair enough. They're not going to let us know now because, you know, these things take a while to dissect and to analyze. But man, I, I hope someone is going to come up with an answer because it's a it's a disappointed public and, and the South African sports fans are, are a proud a proud fan base. You know, the, the country goes through a lot of economic and social, you know, strife and, and the sports fans give people hope i mean to to quote mandela you know sport has the power to change the world we all grew up on the on the on the rainbow colored kool-aid of of madiba and and we like to believe that uh, that that sport does have the power to change the world so i would like some answers and i know i'm not the only one well one player to finish on a kind of positive note one player who looks like he he thinks he can change the world with every delivery is is imran tahir who in a in a poor side in this tournament has still been fantastic to watch um Obviously, incredibly skillful. The bloke's 40 now. He also seems to be fielding better than at any point in his career. He took a brilliant court and bowl today, didn't he? That's right. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned his fielding because he was a he, he was, was awful. mug in the field. He, yeah. was, he was a liability. You couldn't hide him anywhere. But he was diving around him. He almost took an absolute stunner at deep backwards square, diving forward where he, he claimed the catch, but it looked like it it was the right decision and not a judge to be out. And then a couple of overs later, he, he held on to a, to a scream off his own bowling, one-handed and he wheels off in celebration. He's now South Africa's highest wicket-taker in, in World Cups, so he deserves that. And, and once again, you know, you talk about feel-good stories. He's a guy who was an absolute journeyman, played in just about every side in Pakistan. He's, he's played, I think, in something like 30 different teams around the world, could even be in the 40s. Married a, a South African woman, decided to settle down, but then realized, you know what, there's a bit of a gap in the market here with South African spinners. I, I could probably make this side. And he's burst on the scene and he relies on, he still relies on, a, on his orthodox, you know, he's his googly is kind of his stock ball and he, yeah. he could have had a few more wickets today uh, some people don't like his celebration they think that it's that it's put on um, that he he kind of takes the wicket and realizes uh, you know I, I better go off on one of these on one of these celebrations but I, I, I do believe that, that it's sincere there, there's a there, there's a there's a humility that perhaps beli- you know is belied by that by that exuberant celebration I'm, I'm really pleased for him he, he is he is probably the one of the few South Africans to to leave the tournament with his integrity intact yeah I'd I'd agree with that. Um, all right then, Dan. I think we'll we'll leave it there. We'll well. Should we try again? Should we try again on Friday? Joe, if, if, if South Africa lose, I'm just not going to answer your call. Okay. All right. Deal. We have we have a deal, Dan. Um, now I know you've got about six different pieces to write, so um, we'll we'll leave it there. Thanks as ever for joining us, Dan. I appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Um, it's our bumper wisdom extra podcast tomorrow. Uh, Test match special commentator Daniel Norcross and Ben Jones of Crickviz Crick will be joining me to reflect on an enthralling few days in this World Cup and previewing some of the key fixtures in the coming week, as well as reacting to the match between Bangladesh and Afghanistan at Southampton. Bangladesh, of course, aren't out of the running for a semi-final spot yet, uh, and if Afghanistan play like they did against India, we could have a real contest there. Thanks as ever for joining us, and please do subscribe if you haven't already. 
Social Podcast Network.